Abolition. Abolition. Today. And now I'd uh, like to introduce my, my co-author, and she's my true co-author, not just a second author, because chief authorship will pass uh, to her for floor action, uh, and that is uh, St. Paul State Representative Rena Moran. Thank you, Representative Flash. So the Emancipation Proclamation was issued 157 years ago. But black Americans still carry multi-generational trauma from that dark period in our nation, in our nation's early history. This trauma informs my work here at the Capitol, and every day I try to lift, to lift our community spirit of the systemic biases that continue to hold them down. As the great-great-granddaughter of slaves, this issue is personal to me. It's a matter of human dignity. It's unacceptable for our state to sanction slavery or involuntary servitude under any context. It's time for this language to be eliminated, and I am so proud to be the co-author of this legislation, which would amend our Constitution to do so. This amendment also affords us to change to a more broadly recognized and deep disparities that exist right here in the state of Minnesota. There are stark differences between the opportunities available for people of color and their white counterparts in housing, in health care, education, and employment. The criminal justice system especially presents disparities at every stage of the process. Without a doubt, these disparities in our nation's mass incarceration epidemic has direct roots in our nation's past when slavery was practiced. I want to thank Chief Axel and, his, and my legislative colleagues here for elevating the voices of the black Minnesotans through this amendment. Make no mistake. This amendment won't solve every problem that African Americans still face. It will, however, provide, provide a pathway helping to heal century-old wounds. Our Constitution is a more document. The language that remains has no place in our history or in this time period. I'm committed to ensuring Minnesotans can get to weigh in on the ballot this November, and I am hopeful if given the opportunity would vote to flip the page on this awful chapter in our nation's history. Thank you. 13 Amendment, free the slaves and made more. They changed us down a lot to suffer and then they made more. Yeah. Uh. I done took too many L's like a debut on Murray. You don't stand for nothing. They don't kill you, starts the incarceration of us. Till we did leave the party. Had to weigh my intentions. Double back for my hitters. Yeah. Roaches in my cereal We ain't had no bank account Disconnect my sprint phone Friends be looking pitiful Hard as that scenario 
close up on the street. If you ain't got no job, ain't got no job, no food to eat. Everybody depend on you and damn it, who you ask for help. Everybody down bad ain't going through the same head. You, you gon' do what you gon' do, they call it surviving. They hear listing servers and they selling dope surviving. And every day you gotta hustle just to stay afloat. You look around and all your brothers in the same boat. Your skin proud, black, they put in succession, they got a bitch. I'm a police spitting back, take your consent, that's straight to pit. You don't stand for nothing. They don't kill you. Start the incarceration of us. Till we did leave the party. Had to weigh my intentions. Double back for my hair. Yeah. God be our strength when we broke as hell. When we going through hell, living in hell, living in cells. All this depression, no, you see us in it. All this depression, no, you see us in it. Lord, it's my best to pass on all my sin. No, you will be this. I know your mercy is thin. Mercy to the slums. Mercy for us all to repent. Free us for myself. Change our high life for real. We was lost, but you ain't mistaken. You took the cross just to save us, Jay. Free my side the trap. Free mind is out the trap now, yeah. They wanna lock us up in prison. We the slaves, we the slaves, 13 of men, man. We the slaves, we the slaves, 13 of men. Abolition. 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 Prison song instrumental by Blue Lights Beats, and that was followed by Reconcile, 13th Amendment. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org, and we're also available on all major podcast platforms, and we are simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, brother Max. Peace, Yusuf. Uh, you sound as deflated as I feel right now. <laughs> Uh, with everything yeah. that's going on, man, it's hard exactly. not to feel this right now. But go ahead, brother. Yeah. So last week we were joined by Private Attorney General Andy Hope Williams. Andy was the 2020 presidential candidate, and he resurrected the Democratic Republican Party. The mission of the party is to abolish slavery, eradicate poverty, and end the war between we the people. In 2021, Andy filed a lawsuit against the U.S. government in multiple states charging slavery and human trafficking. Make sure you check out that in our pot, in our uh, archives. This week we'll spend some time listening to the brave leaders of modern American constitutional slavery abolition from across the country. They deserve to be heard. Speakers include Samuel N. Brown, original author of ACA 3, the California Abolition Act, Minnesota State Representative uh, Rena Moran, you just heard in the opening track, and Stephanie L. Willis, 
policy strategist for the ACLU of Louisiana. You also hear from uh, testimony from Carol Reese and, and Giles Ship on ACR 145 in New Jersey. We'll also air a little-known speech by Frederick Douglass from May 1865. In his first public comments on the 13th Amendment's passing in February of 1865, where he directly addresses the impending disbandment of the American Anti-Slavery Society. We'll have some music mixes that include tracks from Reconcile, which you heard in the opening, uh, Jubilant Sykes, Simon and Garfunkel, Iron Butterfly, the Neverly Brothers, and just for the hell of it, we'll throw some Wu-Tang Clan in there, too. And of course, we'll discuss the the name. (laughs) The the Neverly. It's not the Neverly. I think up here we call them the Neverly brothers. Some call them the Neville. Some call them Neverly. I apologize (laughs) to the brothers. (laughs) And of course, we'll discuss the issue, uh, cover relevant news, disseminate critical information, and keep you updated on the national struggle to fully end legalized slavery for the first time in the United States of America. So I hate to ask, but Max, tell me about your week, brother. You know, I'm, I'm seasoned to get right to the point, but, yeah, I've had a week. <laughs> it's been a hell of a week. Right. Um, Louisiana has their hearings tomorrow. Uh, as our listeners would know, uh, last year their bill was defeated when nine white Republicans voted to keep slavery legal. They've got another shot, and Brother Curtis Davis, who's been a guest on this program, has been uh, lobbying these representatives, speaking to them directly, trying to find ways to uh, get them on board so that we can finally end slavery in Louisiana. Um, So that's happening tomorrow at 10 10 a.m. If you're in the capital of Louisiana or near it, please go to show your support uh, there. Uh, Yesterday, we had a nice meeting with our state operations where we actually had some mock preparations of their uh, testimony tomorrow based on what the members had said last time because they had questions like, uh, does this mean we can't use uh, forced labor anymore? Uh, Will this stop people from working? And do we have to examine every felony charge in the state because now they can't be charged to hard labor which is literally in their damn constitution as hard right. labor and the punishment <laughs> so we we're, we're ready this time uh, but more prepared than we were last time and fingers crossed if we can get this passed tomorrow that will put louisiana as the next state that we have which could make it in 2022 we've already got four on the ballot we got one more just right around the corner. That's California. New Jersey, Florida, and Louisiana now are also optional. They could make it, meaning that we could have as many as eight states about where the, the citizens get to vote to abolish slavery this year alone. That's amazing, man. <laughs> just thinking about the it work really that to put that together. It, yeah, it really so is. Sorry, some, then, someone was just texting me to see if I just had new information about California and uh, Houston. But I'm sorry, Max. You know, it's just so um, much going on right now. The other thing is our partners out in Oregon uh, managed to do a, a, a wonderful job at fundraising. And because of that, 
They are looking to hire a campaign manager right now. So if you've got some experience in Oregon politics, uh, reach out to us. Uh, you may be the person they're looking for. Uh, you've got to understand at least what we're talking about here in these conversations about slavery abolition and have some experience with uh, politics in Oregon. And they're paying decent, so uh, reach out to us here at Abolition Today. Myself, Max Parthas, or Yusuf Hassan, and we'll get you in contact with the Oregon team. Um, I'm also home alone. <laughs> My wife, Tribal Rain, is in Louisiana at the moment. She'll be home tomorrow. She's been gone a few days. I'm so worried about her because of what's going on right now. You know what I mean? And my children right. out there. We're in South Carolina, and it's a lot of those types of people down here. And it would be the first time. That's why I feel so traumatized because the last time this happened was in our community. Dylan Roof lived a mile away from where I was living at the time. He had to drive past my house to go kill 12 people in, in uh, Charleston, which is a community I had worked with for 15 years. Um, so here it is again now and look same damn thing and the more i dig into this story the worse it gets you see right max the the more we dig into it the worse it gets and it's just stuff happening all over the place uh had a decent week i did had a decent week and it culminated with uh you know, the uh, program that we had yesterday that you were able to attend, where it was the uh, technology, rhythm, and passion program that we have at Emergent Works, you know, my job. And it's, you know, for youth, 16 to 24, it's uh, therapeutic writing. They were uh, expressing themselves through music and leading into technology. So we had a great showcase yesterday. And then, you know, the unthinkable happened afterwards. You know, so here we are. This is where we are, Max. You know, uh, it's it's tough doing a show. It's tough every time because, you know, so much stuff has been happening. And in the midst of everything that's happening, we're still trying to get this message out of abolishing slavery. You know, because we know that it's, the root cause to many of the problems that are happening in the country and in the world. It's the root cause. Yeah, there's a direct connection. And for those that don't may not know what we're talking about, you might be under a rock, I don't know, but if there was a white supremacist 18-year-old man who came to uh, Buffalo, New York, to an all-black community at a supermarket, which is what they call a soft target because you don't expect armed men to be there, maybe elderly, retired, or women, or whatever, and he shot 13 people, uh, killing, I think the death toll is up to 11 now, uh, killing 11 people, they shot 13. Well, he shot uh, 11 of them were black people. At one point, uh, he actually streamed it on Twitch so everybody could see him murdering these people in Buffalo. He put out a 185-page manifesto, uh, breaking down his reasoning, uh, providing his facts and figures from various sources, which conveniently were all extreme right-wing racist uh, sources like Fox News and Breitbart and others like that. And uh, he ran across one white guy who was on the ground cowering. Uh, I saw that much of the video. And he didn't shoot him and apologized and said, 
and then moved on to find more black people that he could shoot. One of them was an 86-year-old woman, grandmother. I mean, how how could you even do something like that? And then at the end of it all, he put the gun up to his head. I guess he was considering killing himself, but then he changed his mind and took off his gear, dropped his gun on the ground without the police telling him to do so, uh, then got down on his knees and, and down on the floor and put his hands behind his head, preparing himself to be arrested very gently where he would go to prison, be put into a white supremacist dorm, and spend the rest of his natural life, uh, if he doesn't get the death penalty, under the protection of white supremacists in prison who would treat him like a hero. All over his the names of other killers like himself, including Dylan Roof, on one side of his gun, he had the words written, here's your reparations, across the muzzle of the gun, right near the sight. It said, niggers. Uh, so he knows who he's shooting at. It's just a hell of a story. Uh, but for us in the black community, it's not a new story. We see this happen so often that we are in a constant state of trauma. We're afraid to go anywhere, you know, or let our family go anywhere because there's nowhere where we're safe. This guy drove over 200 miles to target them. Remember the stabber who went to New York, drove from Baltimore to stab black people with a sword? Uh, Dylan left from here in uh, Eastover, where we were living, to go to Charleston a couple hours away to kill people there. They, they're hunting us like this, and they're only repeating what they're being taught. The cops are doing the same damn thing. The media is portraying and demonizing us every day, day after day after day. Uh, the uh, information that they're talking about how uh, black people are the problem. I even heard Joe Rogan yesterday explaining on his program, which is the largest podcast in the world or something like that, how black people are the real racists in this country and we're oppressing white men. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah, as you were talking, I'm just looking over this uh, manifesto you know, and uh, why did you decide to carry out the ta- the attack to show the replacers? That's talking about us. This is the new yeah, name. Yeah, that's our for new us. name, the replacers. Replacers. That as long as the white man lives, our land will never be theirs, and they will never be safe from us. And a whole bunch of other cycle babble. It's 180 pages long. Yeah, it's. It's psychobabble because it's like it's like racist. For real, it really built is. Up pseudoscience. So he's got all these documents that he's quoting and all these experts who are racist white supremacists and literally making things up out of thin air. Um, some of the quotes that he had on there were just ridiculous, but they're led to believe that these are true. It's demonizing us. We're the ones dying. We're the ones filling the prisons to the brim, and you're screaming genocide. It says, where did you get your current beliefs? Dig this. Where did you get your current beliefs? Mostly from the Internet. There was little to no influence on my personal beliefs by people I met in person. I read multiple sources of information from all ideologies and decided that my current one is the most correct. There was another quote he said. He said, it would have eased me if I knew all the blacks would be killing were criminals or future criminals. 
But then I realized all black people are replacers just by existing in white countries. That's Peyton Gendron. And imagine the irony of what he's saying. He is about to commit premeditated murder, wishing he had a criminal to kill. Put the gun to your own head, bro. You found him. All right, let's go ahead and open up our lines real quick. I know people want to say a few things. Well, and we've got some callers in today. So remember, if you have something to say, want to make a question or comment, press 1 on your keyboard, please. I assume. Um, so, and uh, we got some clips we'll be playing throughout the day, and we're going to talk about this story and others as well. But remember, press 1 yeah, we, if you have a question or a comment. We, 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 need, we need to vent. Check your uh, inbox, too. I sent you a message. I don't know if you got Email? to see it. Email? No, in uh, your uh, messenger. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you. Um, yeah, remember, press one. We got one right there. Looks like our sister, Jamelia. Uh, Jamelia, is that you? It's me. Awesome. And I How think you guys doing? We're going to bring you in in just a moment, 2901. Hold on, okay? Uh, welcome back to Abolition Today, Sister Jamelia Land. Yes, welcome back, oh, thank sis. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. It's good to be here with you, brothers. Um, I've been having a, I've been having a rough time with this one um, today. You know, I don't know if you all have seen. There was a nine-year-old white boy down in, I believe it's in Texas, in Texas, who took a whip and went and was whipping on the front door of a black family, trying to attack their nine-year-old daughter. The police came out. They didn't do anything. You know, the father's father had a gun at the door when the black dad came over to talk to him about his son. And, you know, and then I saw this. That was like two, three days ago. Then I saw this. And it's like, we're not safe in this country at all. Um, but one of the things that I find is interesting that's come out of this, that I'm really, really just mulling over, um, two things. The latter is going to be rather extreme. Number one, every time we hear about these white boys going and killing up stuff, or people, I should say, shooting up stuff and killing up people, um, the first thing that we hear is that they have some form of a mental health illness, right? Uh-huh. Well, and they're I've been kids, saying for the longest time, and they're, and they're kids, right? For the longest time, I've been saying that racism in this country is, in fact, a mental health disease, right? Um. But we're not really looking at it that way. Um, and, and, and these young these young white boys are able to kill just like law enforcement and nothing is going to happen to them. I heard heard you say earlier, brother, um, you know, about him going to prison. Look at Kyle Rittenhouse. The probability of this this young man going to prison is is actually very slim. Despite what we've seen, despite the evidence that, you know, we have, we are privy to right now in the news, for my language, this little motherfucker don't get away with it because the country is ripe. This is America. This is what we stand for. Um, and so my latter comment is going to be this. And if my husband is listening, please don't be mad at me. I'm about to go off the deep end here. Oh, Jamelia, just so you know, he did plead not guilty. Of course he did, by reason of insanity or some shit, right? Um, 
But here's my thing, right? And this is this gonna sound this gonna sound jacked up, but I'm gonna just say it. This is for my people in the hood. You know, thugs, the gangsters, the quote unquote real niggas, the killers, the ones that ride or die for their people and what they stand in and believe in, and who are out here shooting and killing people who look just like them over everyday bullshit. But you want to turn around and bust back at these motherfuckers? I don't understand. We got our priorities wrong. We too scared that they're going to kill us, but they're killing us anyway. So when do we decide that we have had absolutely enough? Because we keep comparing and contrasting these things, right? And we know if he was black and this had happened. First of all, if he was black, this wouldn't have happened. We we, we we don't exactly. need that type of shit. We had, we had John Lee Malvo. You know, we got a couple of little token Negroes that, you know, we'd be like, between OJ and John Lee Malvo, that's it for us. But they continue <laughs> to do this. They continue to do this kind of sick shit. And the media immediately goes to the kids' mental health. I was shocked to read the AP News report that the boy had threatened a school shooting before and had gone for mental health help. You let one of us say we gonna do anything. What Bernie Mac say? You know, we be blow this motherfucker up. We can't even start without him coming and kicking down our doors and locking us up for the remainder of our lives. The fact that this kid was once again nice and neat and clean, he ain't got a bruise on him, not a taze mark, not a nothing. Why? Because they don't value our lives. We, we we don't value our lives like we should. And we damn sure not busting back at their ass. And I'm not advocating for violence. Gun violence in this country is crazy. But I also want to say that people, white America has to stop blaming us for its problems. See, because we didn't come over here as colonizers and quote-unquote settlers and give the Native Americans blankets infested with shit and alcohol and trade with them guns knowing that they kill themselves and others. We are not the ones that own the, the, the movie production companies that are putting out all of these violent-ass movies. We don't own the video game companies that are putting out all of these violent video games. We have not glorified the death of black people like white folks have. And so it's time for us to stand up and start busting back. I'm tired of this shit. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Familiar. Um, I'm gonna try not to get us all shot by white supremacists or cops, okay? <laughs> uh, you know what the, we say where I come from: if you're gonna do something, do it. Don't talk about it. And everything that well, you can. Well, that's kind of what it's been. Uh, yeah. That's what it's been. Yeah. We talk about it, but nothing actually happens. Oh. So I'm just having let my me, Bernie Mac moment. You know, I, feel I ain't gonna shoot nobody. I was a caller in too. I think it's our sister out of uh, California. Um, Sister Nube Brown, is that you? Hey, yes, it is me. Welcome to Abolition Today, uh, Nube um, Brown. Hey, Nube. Hey, hey, guys. Hey, Jamelia. Uh, well, yeah. Um, thank you, Jamelia, actually, <laughs> for just kind of laying it out there. Because, yeah, this is a this is definitely a tough day. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, I'm curious, um, 
Well, first I want to say just, like, thank you so much for just holding this space, first of all, uh, to be able to talk about this, to, you know, constantly being able to, or, you know, holding that space, platforming that space for the truth about what's happening. And, um, you know, uh, Max, you, you know, you said to me uh, the other day, uh, you know, where there's life, there's hope. And I'll tell you, um, I was having a difficult time after yesterday when my son uh, called me and talked, you know, told me about this, uh, this most recent massacre, this crime against humanity. And um, it is particularly uh, traumatizing to see how um, he was treated uh, with, with gentleness and understanding and which makes it so much more insidious. And of course it isn't any different than, than Dylan Roof or what we realize is this is, this is how they, they treat each other. And this sickness is so dangerous. That's why I don't call it white supremacy, because it's not supreme at all. This is a straight mm-hmm. sickness. This is pathological. And, um, I, I mean, oof, I, I'm glad I'm, I'm not them, but they're very dangerous. And, um, you know, I'm curious about the person, the white person that was spared, right, and I wonder, you know, what what narrative they're going to bring back to their family or their people that, oh, he spared me, so he's, you know, he's he's not that bad. Um, yeah, he just has a problem. Um, you know, I, we we just we are here in 2022. We can't have any expectation of. I'm saying this generally when I say white people that are under the spell of this of this pathology, right? Um, so-called white people they, because race is an illusion. So-called exactly, white people. Exactly. So-called. So-called white people, right, um, who are under um, this, again, that are, um, you know, that have this disease. They have this sickness. It's not even a disease. It's just a, it's a sickness because – it's been going on since the beginning. Um, you know, yes, the Constitution is a moral document, but it's also a document that was created to make sure that slavery still existed. Um, and That's why we're here, right? You know, uh, yes, exactly, exactly. So I think, you know, this, this I don't, the thing that's difficult is that He is 18 years old. He's not an adult. I mean, that's one of the things that we're fighting in in prisons, right? Like, you know, they'll snatch our children, 17, 18 years old, and, Mm -hmm. you know, put them into adult prisons. There's parents involved with this, this, what's his name, Peyton Gendron. I mean, this is is taught. This 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 is the teaching that's taking place. And you, and what's the counter? Um, denying us our our history, right? Denying us our education of ourselves, criminalizing the education of ourselves and how it manifests in our in our prisons. So I mean, we can just go on and on, but I I, I will have to say that I am particularly um, I'm really I'm I'm devastated. 
right now. I really am feeling this sense of despair. Um, mm-hmm. Even though this is not an anomaly, um, I get that I'm not that I'm not that naive. As new to this as I am, I still can't believe you know just understanding about the Thirteenth Amendment. You know, again, the, the just within the past ten years. Um, so. Um, I'm just glad we're here together, I guess, because the one thing that I um, that I will say, um, no matter what, I'm committed to making sure that I don't lose my humanity in this place because these people are devolving into another kind of human being. I am at that place where, no, there is an us in them. We are not, there's the big, there's the capital P people and there's the small P people. And they're becoming something else. Um, and I just refuse to lose my humanity. And, and I will stay committed to the power of love, however that works. And if this is the place where um, I feel like that can be uh, expressed and I can make that, that, you know, be in that space of that's what I can contribute to, uh, you know, Sister Newberry, that's coming um, together. Are yeah. you you're you're the editor for the San Francisco Bayview, uh, right? Or yes, are, I am your, now editor. The editor of the San Francisco yeah. Bayview, as well as host of Prison Focus Radio, right? Yes, yes. Yes, uh, you you are also <laughs> doing the damn thing in this fight, contributing how you can. Uh, what I'd like to do is play our next track which is the husband of Jamelia Land, uh, Samuel Nathaniel, which is him giving a speech after viewing the 13th Amendment film, the 13th, by Ava DuVernay at a community uh, gathering. And then they asked him some questions, and we have some of what he said here tonight, as well as a song that's probably going to break you down like it broke me down. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you what Mm -hmm. it is. You'll know what it is when you hear it. Right. Um, But Mm -hmm. it's... Yeah, it's it's fitting. Uh, so you're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, with Yusuf Hassan and Max Parthas on the line with us today. Today is Jamelia Land and Nube Brown. We're going to listen to this track. We'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Today. Yeah, as, as, as you all, who are prison rights activists who have worked with this, uh, within the system, what can we do uh, to to help? And, and, to, and to help with the movement that y'all create, whether it be repeals three strikes, whether it be abolishing that clause in the th- uh, in the Thirteenth Amendment, and with the work that you're doing, thank you for that. So, what you can do is um, vote first and foremost. Voting is important, and encourage the people around you to vote. What you can do is take back your your own thought process, your own perspectives. You know, we were all socialized into seeing each other a certain type of way. A moment ago, when uh, Mr. Johnson, Brother Yaya mentioned coming out of these holes, these stoops, without being filled with hate and anger and apathy, that's no easy feat. That takes a great deal of work for me to be able to come out and recognize that this is what humanity looks like these various faces, all these different people. This is humanity. You know, but this is not what I was told as a youth. You know, I was socialized to believe in that I'm supposed to hate white people or I can't trust these people. 
or I can't even trust a, a like myself. This is what I was taught. And so what you can do, one of the things is first of all, take back your mind and reassess people in the situations and cultural paradigms for yourself. Don't allow somebody else's imagination to run off with your reality. If it doesn't look right, if it doesn't smell right, doesn't taste right, it's not right. You know, Common has a line where he says it doesn't take a whole day to recognize sunshine. Mm. <laughs> it, 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 it don't. This is slavery. ATA3 represents ending slavery. It's a moral issue. It's an issue of, of public safety. It's about rehabilitation. And they make it real clear on, on the 13th. Like my, my big bro, Matt Parker, tells me, he said, 13th tells you about the problem. We represent the solution. You understand what I'm saying? We represent the solution of the year. So what you can do is push your local representatives to stand for the legislation that you know needs to take place. Get involved. Talk to people that don't necessarily come from the same background as you or look like you. Have empathy. Volunteer. Get to know these people for yourself and realize that no one is born bad, no one is born evil, and that we all are much more alike than you realize. You understand? And one for the other person, some of the next person, what you want for yourself. That's crucial. Because if you do, then you will not stand idly by and watch as a travesty like this continues to take place. You will not watch the American Legislative Exchange Council push this model legislation all throughout the nation to decimate communities of color and marginalized peoples. You will not because you wouldn't want that to happen to you. So there's a host of things you can do. And all of us are not you know, gifted with the same talent. Some of us may be able to speak. Some of us may be able to write. Some of us have financial resources. Some of us can raise awareness. Bring what you can bring to the table and contribute that. This is how we stand as one body and we effectuate the change that we all want to see. So those are some of the things that you can do that come to mind. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child Sometimes I feel Like a motherless child Sometimes I feel Like a motherless child
Max, you know, I, I think I understand why we all feel the way we feel. Is because, like, um, imagine what was going on on the plantation when someone was getting whipped or hanged, you know, and it was nothing that could be done about it. Like, you just felt so powerless, so weak, you know, and that's why I understand why Sister Jamelia said the things that she said and feels that way and why Sister Nube feels the way she does and the way you feel and I feel, you know, it's because, yeah, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, man. Seriously. This is life or death for us, man. And, you know, right. when I put that mix together like that, it was because I felt first the hope that Samuel Brown is bringing to the table. He's bringing hope. We, hey, uh, we actually know what the problem is. We got a solution. I just need you to help mm-hmm. with this right here, and we're going to get it done. That, that's hope that he's doing. And here's how we can do it. Use the powers that you do have, like the power to vote, things like that. And right. to be saying in a crowd or where most of the people in the country you're in don't even recognize your pain, let alone that you're telling them here is the problem we can solve. Uh, they're ignorant to it. And you feel like a motherless child. Like right now, no one in, who is black in this country is safe anywhere. Why do we feel like that? Like motherless children. Like we just don't care about it. You let us go. America said to hell with you. 
deal with it. They've been saying that to us. America never loved us. America never had your back. And I'm quoting the titles of songs we played on here, on air, you know? Um, Right. I don't know who we can turn to at this moment. We do know this. Slavery is legal. And if the slave catchers are murdering us, why are you questioning why the citizens are doing it? They're learning from the slave catchers and the enslavers. We solve every problem with a gun, a bullet, uh, artillery, even nukes. It's a violent. Uh, let's go ahead and get some We've had clips. One, yeah, one, la- one last point. We've even played clips of these enslavers getting caught on hot mics saying, when do we get to go kill them? Yeah. They're planning on it. And it's going to be too late when America realizes how far this thing has gone. They've already tried to perform an insurrection. They're going to continue to do that. And they're gearing towards a violent uprising. And the first victims is going to be the same victims. We don't need your vengeance. We need your protection. All right, let's go ahead and get back to our, our people on the call. Sister Jamelia, uh, I'm proud of your husband. Um, I know you are, too. Like I said, he represents hope. You might be on mute, Jamelia. Okay. I'm sorry. I say, yes, thank you for that, Max. I'm, I'm very proud of him, too. Um, after 24 years of incarceration, to come home and to continue to fight um, has just been amazing to to watch. He ain't been out a year, and he's already doing this much. He was doing this right. much when he was behind bars, and now he's out he here fighting for freedom. Mm-hmm. He wrote, yep, ACA3. Uh, between him and Jamelia, so much people have to say thank you to this couple for that they don't even know about. But I've been a witness to a great deal of it. Uh, Jamelia, how can they support the movement? Give them the website, please. Yes. Thank you for that, Max. Um, people can go to endslaveryincalifornia.org um, and learn more about <clears throat> how they can help us in this fight. We are always in need of monetary donations as this work is, is not easy. Um our opposition has plenty of dollars, and, and we do not. So, uh, yes, please feel free to go to endslaveryincalifornia.org to learn more about the work that we are doing here. Um, you can also go to our national website, Abolish Slavery National Network, and learn about the work that we are doing collectively all around the country on this issue. We're kicking ass taking names. We're trying to be that hope. Jamelia, a quick question. Uh, for those that can't uh, provide monetary donations, what are like some in-kind things that they could do to help the movement? That's another great question. Thank you. Um, you can educate yourself. You can educate your community. You can share the information. You'd be surprised how many people don't realize that slavery is still legal, not just in California, but in the United States as a whole. So. Um, you know, my, my biggest thing is though we need money, that is not the priority. The priority is we need to educate the people. We need you to register to vote. If you are formerly incarcerated, especially in the state of California, you register to vote. We need you to show up at the polls. And if, if today's conversation and what has transpired over the past few days is not motivation enough, I don't know what to tell the people. Uh, but slavery is, in fact, still legal in this country. 
uh, what we see right now is a manifestation of that and the deep-seated hatred that has been projected against us as a people. And so educate yourself, educate your people, register to vote, um, and, and learn more about what's really happening, not just in your city and state, but around the country. Thank you for that, Jamea. I want to go to our other caller, um, Sister Nube Brown. Any comments on what you heard there or what we discussed? Oh, yes. And um, hello again, Jamelia. We definitely need to um, <laughs> definitely need to connect. And, um, you know, really what I hear is also, you know, the, the educating yourself. We need to win in the court of public opinion. People need to do the deep work. This, it, it, you have to make a decision whether you are for human rights or not. You have to take a side. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to, you know, um, yeah, we, it, it's okay to be loud and angry, and we need to stop ac- accepting this idea that um, we are, you know, we can wait or, you know, there are some, um, you know, justifying, right? Like the no exceptions, period. This, this kind of thing at this point in 2022 should say, okay, stop. Stop. We're going to pull back $40 billion that's going to go to Ukraine, and we're going to keep it. We are going to pull back from all of the places that we are in the world where we're brutalizing and killing off other people as well. We're going to cut this military budget in half or more, whatever it is, and we are going to get back to the business of taking care of people. Well, not back to the business. That's just something we need to do because we haven't done that. We have, we have um, like a moral duty we have a, a spiritual duty to 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 take a stand about where you stand about how you're going to be treating people and and the planet um and so yes it's it's of course we need to be able to put food on our on our tables and and uh you know and keep some a, a roof over our head but we need to start talking about how we are in relation with one another and so i agree with Jamelia. um you know, talk to your people, start taking a stand, educate yourself, um, use your voice. If, you, if, if voting is your thing, vote, register, get yourself registered, tell other people, like, you know, what are you doing? And the other thing is, you know, call the governor. You have a voice. These are people that we are employing with our money. They're supposed to be doing what we say. So, um, uh, you know, get involved with end slavery, you know, in California.org. Um, and, um, and I want to say, you know, one thing too about um, being the editor of the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper, which is, is really such an honor. Um, because we, we have the opportunity to, to claim our own narrative about what's taking place. Yesterday, let's see, what's today? Sunday, sorry. Friday, the 13th, May 13th, was the, I, I don't know, I, I'm not doing my math right, but 1987 was when um, this government dropped a military-grade bomb on the citizens of Philadelphia, on the MOVE organization. 
Right, right. They killed children. This is in 1987. This is an ancient history. So, right. I was a senior in high school. It's right. It's 400 years of demonization. Oh, my God. To yeah. justify and these types of horrible tragedies. Absolutely. So we have an opportunity to, you know, um, well, I mean, we're going to just, we're going to keep up our end of the fight here, right, and and do what we can. And one of those ways is in, you know, in the media, um, we have the opportunity with this newspaper to to uh, call this, this stuff out because, again, you shine light on something. It's much harder to do your work. In, well, well, you know, I, I'm going to have to, <laughs> all I'm going to say is that we are going to continue to claim our own narrative, but uh, this this shooting happened in the middle of the day, is what I'm understanding. People are just going to the to this grocery store. So, um, again, yeah, if this isn't if if this isn't it, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know either. But we have to we have to be steadfast. Is all I can say. And um, I'm uh, you know I'm not going to do um, anything different except to, to step it up. One of the things that uh, I want to continue doing is to highlight the voices of the people in these fights like we're doing tonight and we've done before. Um, you may not ever hear them otherwise, you know, and they need to be heard. Uh, Sam is talking about what's going on right now before it even happened. So was Rena Moran, you know, and uh, others mm-hmm. that will be coming on. They're like prophets of this. This is where we're going with this. This is what we've been dealing with, and it's just repeating, and we need to stop. Uh, as I said, 400 years of demonization, uh, all the way up until the 13th Amendment. And then from the 13th Amendment, it switched to criminalization, so that we were seen as criminalized to justify their convict leasing schemes. You can't do this to a people unless you turn them into monsters in the eyes of the public. So they go, yes, they deserve it. And you get to a point where we are today. When you say something about people being in prison and everybody automatically assumes they must have done something to deserve it. Because the cops never arrest you for doing nothing. They never have a race-based police force that is out uh, enforcing race-based laws. Um, People who really haven't done anything criminal criminal at all, they've never done that. They've never had an opportunity where they needed employees to work in prison, and so they figured they'd just go grab a few. They've never done that, right? That's what you're thinking when you automatically assume all these black bodies in prison deserve it. It's criminalization, demonization. So why wouldn't the children growing up into men and women today go out and murder us? You don't turn us into monsters who deserve to be killed, right? And if it was up to me, what? the National Guard right now would be shutting down Fox News, Breitbart, and every other media outlet like them in this country and charging them with insurrection, inciting violence, and genocide. Right. Well, one thing that I would like to say, if you don't mind, um, sure. you know, the, there's so much, there are so many. Uh, you know, laws and policies and regulations um, in place, so many that we don't know about um, that are also uh, putting the life, the lives of, well, especially, you know, black and uh, 
black and brown people um, in danger, but also um, that have systematically um, upheld the lives of policemen, uh, our slave catchers and the overseers, um, their lives above all other lives. Their lives are the most important at the same time degrading black life as well. And so that's, that's another, that's a conditioning that has taken place. I mean, again, Sundiata Akoli has the opportunity to come home after 50 years. And the reason that they want to keep him in, the only reason they've been able to keep him in, he's a, he's a political prisoner, is because he has been accused of, because he didn't do it, but he's been accused of killing an on-duty cop. I won't call right. him a pig because I, I like animals. Slave catchers. That's just me. Is there slave catchers? So, but he is now getting out. He's 85 years old. This is what we're talking about. Like, so there's a slow, this is genocide that's taking place, and it's a slow yes. genocide. This is what, you know, th- this is why it is a crime against humanity. So, anyway, I just wanted to, you know, say that about that as there's the, the degrading of our lives, there has been this systematic um, upholding of the life of police, of, of, the, of the slave catchers. Right. That their lives are the most important. That is a really a, a sickness as well. In the past decade, between police and prison personnel, there's been over 36,000 people killed. That's enough to fill Yankee Stadium, all the seats. If that's not a genocide, then what is? If I could jump in actually, here real quick and kind of go ahead, kind of piggyback, um, you know, I'm always the I'm always the potentially disgruntled person in the room, so pardon me, <laughs> but I have a, a kind of a comment. That makes two of us. Here. Yeah, that makes two of us, Jamelia. <laughs> that's right, brother. You see. Um, so one of the people who was killed during this massacre was a, a retired black police officer. You're kind of low with your audio. Okay, I'm sorry. Can you hear me better now? Yes, thank you. Can you hear me a little bit better now? Yes. Okay. So one of the one of the, the, the people that was slaughtered in this massacre was a retired Buffalo police officer. Who the security to be a black guard. Man. He was a security guard, but he was retired police officer yes. now working at the grocery store as security guard. And so I'm I'm curious if we're going to actually start to hear anything about the fact that a former law enforcement officer was killed, or does his black life not matter even formally in blue? I wonder yeah, if this kid will get the same type of time. If he's going to get mm-hmm. the same type of time for killing an off-duty police officer that others, like like the, the Sundi that she just mentioned, didn't mm-hmm. kill a police officer, but yet he's still sitting in prison 50 years mm-hmm. later. I'm going to say, yeah, they, can I they briefly breezed over it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Here's the thing. I'm gonna. Well, right. I mean, that's kind of. I, you know, I feel like that's almost a rhetorical question, Amelia. Because here's the thing, right? Like, we know that that's not going to make any difference because it does come t- down to black life. In 1945, when 900,000 
uh, World War II veteran soldiers, black soldiers were coming home, 900,000 of them did not get to uh, reap the benefits of the GI Bill. Right. So no, absolutely not. It doesn't matter whether you put your life on the line for this country or you uphold the, the, the white supremacy or pathology. It doesn't matter. Your black life doesn't matter. I mean, we, I think right. we just, I'm going to be just as disgruntled, and, and I think we just have to be really real about that. Um, we have and, no one the, and, and one woman killed happened to be the mother of the police chief. I saw a story about that. Also, the police chief is black, and his uh, mother was was killed in the incident. So it looks like we may uh, have some other people that wanted to join the conversation. If you do, press 1 on your keypad so that we know you have a question or comment. I have a couple more clips I do want to play throughout the night or, uh, to amplify the voices of those out there leading the way, putting their lives on the line to address the root cause, America's original sin, slavery, which you never ended, which you allow to happen all the way down to the citizens now, where they just, they hate us so much for no apparent reason, they kill 86-year-old women on the spot, uh, grandma. Casual killing, <clears throat> yeah, the casual killing right, act. casual killing act, very much like the casual kill, killing act, very much like mm-hmm. the fugitive slave laws that required every citizen to be a slave catcher. It's the reason why you have a Second Amendment right. Um, so, yeah, if you, have a, if you have something to say, press one on your keypad. Uh, if not, just go ahead and continue to listen. I know some people call in just to listen. Sam said that he loved the mix. Uh, thank you very much. He's been listening since the beginning. All right. Um, I do have as I said, a couple more clips I want to play. So let's play one more, and then we'll discuss some more on the other side of that. Uh, this is going to be... Sister Stephanie L. Willis, she's a policy strategist for the ACLU of Louisiana. Uh, As I mentioned, tomorrow, Louisiana has their hearings for the new bill, HB 298, which is the abolition bill to end slavery. And if you're able to get to the Capitol tomorrow by 10 a.m., please do so to show your support. If we can do it in Louisiana, we can do it anywhere. Uh, That will be for this, abolitiontoday.org. Abolition. Abolition. Today. 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 Next we have Ms. Stephanie L. Willis with the ACLU. Thank you so much. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm so honored and privileged to be standing before you all today. And um, I want to thank you all so much for the inviting the ACLU of Louisiana to be a part of this very significant press conference. And um, I have my son here today because I thought that it was very important for him to be a witness to um, this extremely impactful um, legislation that stands to pass in the Louisiana legislature this upcoming session. I'm honored to represent our organization as we come together to abolish slavery in our state's constitution once and for all. Slavery is not a Louisiana value. It has no place in Louisiana's Constitution. This slavery is America's original sin, and we have yet to atone for the atrocities visited upon generations of enslaved Africans and their descendants. 
the legacy of racial inequity has persisted and left our country vulnerable to a range that continues, a range of problems, excuse me, that continue to give division, racial disparities, and injustice. We see the lasting impact of slavery right here in our home state of Louisiana, through clear acts of hate and violence. We see it in our laws. We have to see it in underlying policies and practices throughout public life. And now we even have to see it in our constitution. Racism is institutional, and it infected our police and criminal legal system at their origins centuries ago. Bound in America's history of slavery, Jim Crow, and discrimination. But now, Louisiana legislators can take a critical first step on the path to racial justice by abolishing Article 1, Section 3 in our state's constitution. And it can all happen right here, ladies and gentlemen. Right here. And if you look at the, the, the building, it says union, justice, and confidence. How can we have all of those without abolishing slavery from our constitution? So, ladies and gentlemen, abolishing slavery in our constitution wouldn't just be a symbolic gesture. No, no, no. This is a critical step to the path of restorative justice, the justice that we see right there on this building. We can't expect to eradicate the deeply rooted anti-blackness that fuels racial profiling and mass incarceration if we can't eradicate slavery from our Constitution. At the ACLU of Louisiana and the ACLU nationally, our goal is to support our partners as we work to build a Louisiana where every person, every person can achieve their highest potential unhampered by structural and institutional racism. And that starts with abolishing slavery from our country. It's time that our state accounts for the hundreds of years of treatment of black people and child slavery, Jim Crow legislation, Jim Crow segregation, and the enduring structural racism endemic to our society. Let's start here. Let's start now with HB 196 so that my son doesn't have to witness this any further. Thank you so much. Abolition. 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 Hi, my name is Jeanette Smith. I am a slavery abolitionist. Some of you may know me. I'm doing this recording because I would like to ask if any of you can help with some financial assistance. Max and Yusuf do not like to ask for money, so I would like to ask on their behalf because they and other abolitionists pull money out of their own pockets, and this is so important. So if you can help, you can find the information at the top of the Facebook page for Abolition Today. Thank you. Oh, man, thank you for that, Jeanette. I <laughs> really appreciate that. Uh, prior to that, it was Stephanie L. Willis, policy strategist of the ACLU Louisiana, followed by the Neville brothers, as Max would say, and the Neville brothers, as I would say, <laughs> someone that has solved that riddle for us, Fire on the Bayou. That was a nice touch with that, Fire on the Bayou, Max. Thanks, man. 
Um, she, again, another prophet telling you what's going on with this deep-seated racism and hate and the cost of it is, is measured in lives and blood and freedom. And you keep telling us mm-hmm. we can wait. We can't wait another second, not another minute. Somebody else is going to die while we're talking. Um, let's go ahead and see. Oh, we have one caller here who has their hand raised up. Let's go ahead and bring them in. 8514, you're on Abolition Today. Uh, your name and question or comment? Uh, peace, Max. This is uh, Kyrie. Tony, this is Tony Crane. How's it going? Uh, what's up, Tony? Peace, man. What's Nothing going on, on, brother. Hey, what how's everybody going? How's everybody doing? All good. I'm, well, you know how um, we're doing, man. What we talking about? Yeah, yeah. All, yeah I guess that's a, that's a. You know? Absolutely, man. Um, you know, this is. It's getting, it's getting to the point where, like I said, I'm I'm starting to reach my boiling point. It's it's, this is insane. I read that manifesto and so many things stuck out to me. But I'm sorry, one of the things that stuck out to me the most was his emphasis on killing children. It's not funny. Mm. You know. Um, <laughs> Um, it nearly brought me to tears because one of my main points is teaching the children because like he said, and like is evidenced by what he put in his manifesto there, they teach their children. They will continue to teach their children that their main goal is to eradicate us. It is horrifying that I have, I, we have no choice but to teach our children to combat this, to be aware, to be wary of the fact that these monsters are out and they will not have any mercy. There's there's no humanity in this. What is well, like, this is it's insane. I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but I'm just yo, I feel you. Ramble oh. on, brother, as Led Zeppelin would say, <laughs> ramble on, man. The tools Man, to solve our problem are there, though, Tony. Like we have the tools to solve our problem if we use them, and if uh, we recognize, actually recognize the crimes against humanity occurring, and not keep talking about them in these uh, neutered terms like mass incarceration. Right. Ain't no law against mass incarceration anywhere right. in the world. Ain't no law against mass incarceration, but there is a law against slavery. Uh, you know, right. and we're call, we're justifying it by the languages that we use. Uh, if we start addressing this as it should be addressed, tools are there, uh, including right. call it, our own government. Oh, getting to the point where they're saying, you know, we're very close to some war like it was back in the 1800s, so maybe we need to deal with these people as enemies of this They've already declared themselves enemies, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, this, this is like attack. These are attacks on on land, these are na- national, these are domestic terrorists. I mean, it's, I don't understand what's, I, actually, I do understand. I mean, because it's part of the narrative, you know? Yes. Yes. And people, uh, I just think, it's just getting ridiculous the more people are refuse to accept what, what's going on. The naivete is just beyond acceptable at this point. That's as far why as I'm we're concerned. here, bro. That's why we're here, to amplify these voices. So, you know, people want solutions, but they don't want to hear anybody talk about what the problem is. You know what I mean? Like they're doing with the CRT. I've even had to experience that issue personally on the recently where 
People don't want to hear anyone talk. They think they know it all. They don't want to hear your story. They don't want to hear your solution. They just want to get to wherever it is they're trying to get to. Uh, and we have to, we, this moment that we have right now is a chance for all of us to be heard. And we're trying to amplify that as possible. And over the years, we have seen this growth of this movement just explode. Tony, you've seen it. Jamelia, you've seen it. Uh, Absolutely. We all saw it. Big I want to thank you, brothers, heard. too, and sisters, because this platform that you're doing, this is, it's amazing. And it's absolutely detrimental, especially in this day and time. So I, com- I commend you all for this. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, thank Tony. You. Appreciate we got that. One more call that wants to join in on the conversation. 5911, you're here with us. That may be today. Yeah, how y'all doing, man? Peace, brother. It was an honor to play your track today. Oh, man, you did it so much justice. It's an honor to be here with you all, and thank you for the work that you're constantly doing. So um, I just wanted to chime in a little bit and say that we hear these terms like first world country, third world country, thrown around, and they're supposed to be, um, you know, indicative of a civilized country or a civilized place. But the, the truth of the matter is, technological advancements are not really indicative of being civilized, because a brute with a with a club in, in a cave is no different than a brute with a, a, a red button to press and, and launch a nuclear attack inside of a inside of an Oval Office, or a brute with an AK-47. I mean, it it doesn't indicate being civilized and evolved socially or, or emotionally. And it's one of the reasons why clearly these these people who oppose progress are so dedicated to fighting against critical race theory. Because when you know better, you do better. And uh, uh, a discipline like critical race theory raises awareness and and talks to other, you know, people of of Caucasian descent about privilege, about um, things that have taken place since there's, you know, the inception of this country and how they affect other people. And you have, like, racists and white supremacists who don't want you to talk about that because they don't want you to raise awareness and they don't want their own people to, to be like, you know what, I can't be part of the change. I'm tired of, you know, us oppressing folks, and I, I want to do something different because to know better is to do better. And so that's what this reminds me of. And I, I was reading the articles too, man. <laughs> Excuse me. And I saw the part about the police chief. I saw the elderly lady that was 80-something years old who was the, the mother of the of the police chief. <laughs> Sorry about that. And it's, it's sad. Of course, it, it's just very sad. But till we are able to really get people to accept the fact that it's not going to change unless we all stand together and say we need it to change, nothing's going to happen. Because black people lamenting alone can't get it done. That's the sad truth. You know, um, we can spark the conversation. We can start the movements. We can raise awareness amongst ourselves. But we can't change everything in this country alone. We need people to accept responsibility and say, you know what? I'm not going to just stand there and watch this happen anymore. I'll study Buddhism, Sikhism, 
Judaism, Catholicism, Letarianism, Islam, and excuse me, man. What I realized is that the core of them, all of them, that they have in common is doing to others as you would have them doing to you. All of these different groups, you know what I mean, that have these different religions that they practice, if they really were dedicated to their spiritual practices like they said, then they will honor the fact that none of their gods, none of their gods advocate slavery, oppression, killing innocent people, and they would, they would have you, they would, they would treat us the way that they would want to be treated. The other thing I want to talk about real quick, and I'm going to be quiet, is I saw a graphic today, and I thought it was just so, so, so profound that this lady posted. And it was like unarmed arm, unarmed arm, unarmed arm. And it showed the pictures of mass shooters who were armed, and under the picture it said arrested. Then it showed pictures of unarmed black people, and it said murdered. And it's just... Is this the stark realization of that, that, that the juxtaposition of that alone? It was just, it, it tugged at my heartstrings, man. It was just real messed up. Because, you know, they were showing like Breonna Taylor. They were showing um, Sandra Bland. And, you know, the countless other folks who were unarmed but got murdered. But all of these folks who armed themselves, cross state lines, run up in places, kill people. They make it to the jailhouse without a scratch. They get offered cheeseburgers and french fries. They get celebrated like they're heroes. They get treated They get treated like celebrities by judges. And the shit is just really ridiculous. And I heard the brother on the call just now say that he's at his boiling point. But you know, like I know, Max, because I heard you talk about it before, we got to be careful not to get baited into a race war. Right. Or a civil war. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a real delicate situation that we find ourselves in. There was, when I even first began, I kind of knew what was coming up ahead of me in this fight. And there was three things that I had as priorities in my mind to always be concerned with. One is, of course, to end slavery. Because that, once I identify what the core problem is, why am I going to screw around with symptoms? I'm going to get to that, right? So end slavery. The second one was to find a way to achieve that without a civil war. Because history repeats and we were already repeating everything throughout history that our ancestors had went through, coming to the same points. And it's almost unavoidable. Uh, you know, with superorganisms, that's how it works. It's really hard to stop them from their habitual practices. But, but to find a way, if possible, between us to avoid a civil war. And then last was to keep my eyes wide open for the next exception clause, because these are liars and deceivers, and they will do it again. And in 50 years, our children will be fighting the same fight we're fighting right now because of another a different exception clause that they put in there. They refuse to end slavery, so we're going to have to find a way to do it. But I remember Frederick Douglass said that, you know, uh, power conceives nothing, nothing without demand, right? And you got to have a way to back right. that demand up. So for us, it's to get international support. You know we're working towards getting the United Nations involved, and to a very large degree, they are already. Also, we've been working with other nations. We've had leaders of states right here on this program, um, and a variety of other international groups like Freedom United, who were focusing primarily on illegal slavery, has now incorporated legal slavery into their efforts in a global way. We even had nation, national leaders come in the United States and call us out on this issue. 
imagine if the world boycotted American goods. That would really cause a problem right here. You know? For sure. For sure. I um I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And as I think about the international support, it's um it's it's hard it's hard sometimes to think about people coming in to help someone who really aren't united in helping themselves. So when I say that to say I'm so happy when you bring people from a political background on here. Um, we need more politicians to join this fight. We need our celebrities to join this fight because we need our everyday people to join this fight. The more of us get on board, the more we're unified, the more likely other people are to help us. But as long as we're separated amongst ourselves, it makes it challenging. And so that's, yeah. that's something that I, I really been like beating the concrete out here in California Oh, I'm in New York right now, but beating the concrete in California to just try to raise it at a grassroots level because when we make that groundswell and it becomes an issue that the, the everyday person cares about or they see how it's relevant, how it impacts their community and affects their family and how it's a, 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 a sore, not even a sore, how it's a travesty that's been, you know, taking place since the beginning of this country and they feel passionate about it, then it's easier to get people in higher places to join the fight right exactly uh if we're successful this year by november we'll have a fifth an entire fifth of the nation that has voted to end slavery in their states literally again repeating history where half the country is going to be pro-slavery and half the country is anti-slavery but that's Mm -hmm. a hell of an accomplishment man that our ancestors will be smiling, probably smiling down on all of us about getting that far. Uh, amazing. Uh, let's see if any of our other people on the line have any questions or comments or additions they want to put in here. And then the next track we're going to listen to will be people from the New Jersey campaign who are doing the damn thing there, too. So any of our callers have any questions or comments? Uh, Tony Newbay, Jamelia? I have one comment that's kind of off topic, but going with his manifesto and what we've been seeing in the, in the recent weeks around uh, Roe v. Wade. Um, this is a prime example of why white folks around this country are going crazy. Um, white men in power are not just trying to tell women of color what to do with their bodies, but they're trying to tell white women what to do with their bodies because they're tired of them aborting their babies and their population is in fact dwindling and they want to continue to kill us and expedite their own growth, but they're like bad versions of genetically modified food. It seems weird that the Republican Party, who is now the party of racism, as far as everybody can tell, wants to pass laws that would allow for more black and brown people to be. Doesn't that seem a little strange? Hmm. Not to uh, not to those of us that are aware of uh the Thirteenth Amendment, because we know by they they determine how many prison beds they need by the time you know some you know a black child reaches the third grade. So they'll just know yeah. more black babies, more black, more prisons to build. In uh, regards right. to reverse wages, oh, go ahead, brother Sam. I'm sorry, I just, I just, so one of our listeners, uh, Willow Katz, 
she wanted me to uh, really speak about and make a correction about something that was said earlier about the anniversary of the bombing on on the move move yes. that it was uh 1985 May 13 1985 not 1987 so just a quick right. you know fact check and correction okay. on the date that's Love. all and thank you Willow thank you we're about being truthful that's right thank you I, I think we can we shouldn't be held too accountable for missing a day or two. In fact, we... you know, with with this happening, I completely forgot about move because I did intend to say something about move. Like I was thinking about it during the week, and then this happened. Yeah, and this is on the heels of so many other tragedies, including still a pandemic that. Is still killing people. We've just decided that we're going to take the loss and keep it moving, like we do with cancer and other things. Uh, so people are still dying from COVID. Uh, the issue about employment can't. My daughter's about to give birth any minute now. She was in the hospital the other day, uh, six months, and ready. She was in labor. It took them two days to get prevented labor. And there's no mm. formula in the country for babies. There's no formula in the country for babies. You can't I find it anywhere. I don't understand that. I don't want to yeah. say that. It, it, so many things are occurring simultaneously, and everybody is on the edge. Like Tony said, he's reached his limit. But here, let me remind you, one of the things we're here for on this program, and what I try to do personally, is to always make sure you have some hope. There is hope. As long as there's life, there's hope. The worst times in your life can only be preparation sometimes for the best times you've ever had. Hold on. Um, and don't become the monsters that you fight, because that's easy to do, to use their tactics and be them. And then one day you look in the mirror and realize you've just taken their place. Uh, you don't want to do that. Uh, this is a righteous fight that is blessed by God. I've seen it with my own eyes. The miracles occur. The stars all align. Things happen that mm-hmm. haven't happened in thousands of years, only occurred simply because we were involved in all of this. That's how I was looking at it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. So let's go ahead and listen to New Jersey uh, with Carol Ruiz and Guile Ship. And this is a UCFX with music from Triumph and Wu-Tang. It's ACR 145 Testimony. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. ACR 145, Constitutional Amendments Prohibit Slavery or Voluntary Servitude in the State of New Jersey, including as punishment for a crime. This amendment adds language to Article 1 expressly prohibiting slavery and involuntary servitude. The amendment also directly prohibits slavery and involuntary servitude as punishment for a crime. And there are no Carol Ruiz. Yeah. Carol. Okay. Hi, Carol. Go ahead. Thank you for the opportunity to provide testimony today. My name is Carol Ruiz. I'm the co-president of Wind of the Spirit Immigrant Resource Center. We are a nonprofit, nonpartisan, faith-based organization. I'm an immigrant, the sister of a formerly incarcerated man, great-granddaughter of an enslaved Afro-Colombian woman, and an attorney who has worked with formerly incarcerated residents to address the trauma of incarceration and remove the barriers to reentry. Wind of the Spirit includes members who have survived human trafficking, who are descendants of enslaved peoples in the Americas, who are survivors of incarceration, both in public and private prisons, and uh, we are members with loved ones suffering incarceration now. 
In the summer of 2020, we helped to organize COVID-19 safe demonstrations to center racial justice and the demands of our siblings in the struggle at Black Lives Matter Morristown. We advocate in favor of the amendment to our constitution that would prohibit slavery and involuntary servitude everywhere, including prisons and jails. The creation of civilian review boards and police transparency bills. I will focus on ACR 145, which is a matter of racial justice, of civil rights, of labor rights, and of human rights. Wind of the Spirit's main center is in Morris County, where non-Hispanic black folk make up approximately 3.35% of the population, but are 22 times more likely to be incarcerated than white residents. On my way to our center in Morristown, I passed young men in orange jail jumpsuits, most of them, if not all of them, African-American or Afro-Latino, and they maintain the grounds at the state psychiatric hospital, Greystone Park. The State of New Jersey Department of Corrections Bureau of State Youth Industries, known as DEPCOR, describes prison labor as serving two purposes, to minimize prison disorder and to prepare inmates for a successful life after release from prison. Whether prison uh, slave labor minimizes disorder or prepares for life after release, nothing justifies the enslavement of incarcerated workers. I ask facetiously whether prison slave labor minimized prison disorder at Edna Mahan Correctional Facility. I ask facetiously how many formerly incarcerated residents the state hires and pays living wages to for maintaining um, state grounds such as the Great Stone Park Psychiatric Hospital. As of 2017, Depcourt had approximately 14.25 million in sales per year on the backs of our incarcerated loved ones. As Depcourt's wealth grows, our incarcerated loved ones get 38 cents per hour to $10 per day at most, while our incarcerated loved ones then are left to face homelessness, rising debts and restitution, in fees, mounting child support obligations and mental health care costs, and many other obligations upon release. Depcourt's wealth funded the $300 million state house renovation. Our country and our state were built on the backs of enslaved people, and that must stop now. Um, it doesn't save money. It is inhumane, immoral, and a sickening excuse to fill our jails and prisons with people of color and black folks specifically. We thank Assemblywoman McKnight, Timberlake, and Faith for sponsoring ACR 145 and urge um, all committee members to support it. Giles Schiff. Giles Schiff. Yes, yes. Thank you again, um, uh, Madam Chair, and also thank uh, Assemblywoman McKnight, Timberlake, and Spice for your leadership on this important bill. You know, I, I would have thought by now um, that we would learn from the uh, 13th Amendment when we had the abolishment of involuntary servitude, but of course, it was with the exception of punishment for crime. And we know what happened after that. They created the Black Codes, all right? And the Black Codes were basically laws that were made up by local, local governing bodies, and they would make these laws up so that they could feed the labor force with free labor on plantations and southern industrialists. And what kind of laws were they? They would make up laws such as just loitering, uh, failure to give good account of yourself, walking along the railroad tracks near a farm. And they would create these laws so that they would feed that labor pool. And I would think by now that we would be 
further ahead. And if, if I encourage people to go do some reading about this. It was called convict leasing. All right. I would think that in the state of New Jersey, as much as we claim to be progressive, that we would be further along. And I like to think also that we would have progressed a great deal with the abolition of this black code law is what I like to call them. Uh, let's put an end to this part of our history by removing this stain on our New Jersey state constitution. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Giles. Abolition. 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 So you just heard ACR 145 testimony in New Jersey by Carol Reese and Giles Ship. And the music accompanied was Triumph by Wu-Tang Clan. Special shout out to uh, Assemblywomen Angela McKnight, Brittany Timberlake, and Shanique Spate for their efforts in getting uh, ACR 145 to committee. Yeah, that's powerful testimony, as I said. It's something that you would never probably hear if not for a program like this. We People need to hear these testimonies because they're speaking the truth, and it's so prophetic. They're telling us what is like you real in, in real time, what's going on right now? It's going to keep going right. on until this is changed. You cannot have freedom in a nation that practices slavery. I don't care who you are, because if you got one, you don't have the other. And even if you think it's only on paper, then let's end it on paper. Let's do that. That's right. What's the problem? Now, but she brought receipts. She doing that. Right. She brought receipts of what was going so, on. $300 million worth of free labor that built the renovations for that place. $300 million. And that's just New Jersey. It's 50 states. If I could chime in here real quick on something that, that really caught my attention. Um, so I have a, I think I have a close family friend who was uh, recently released from prison as well. And after serving um, over 20 years, um, he ended up receiving a letter in the mail from the state of California saying that he owes them almost $40,000 from um, the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. Yes. So they sent him a bill of almost $40,000 after he served over 20 years in prison and hasn't been home a good 60 days. They sent him a bill in the mail. Um, and so these are some these are some of the ramifications that people don't know, right? Had he been paid a fair and decent wage uh, while in the carceral setting, he would have been able to pay off that. But instead, they took 20-plus years of his life, and once, once he left the personal estate, they hit him with a bill. And he's facing incarceration if he doesn't pay. Well, they're gonna they they made it very clear that they're gonna garnish and levy any and everything in his name to get their money. So, what does that do to people who are uh, quote unquote re-entering back into this society, right? When they're giving California, you're giving $200 a date money. You've served all these years. You can't get any certifications. You can't get a job. Then you turn around and you get hit with a big-ass bill from the state 
So even if even if he does go and get a job, guess what's going to happen? They're going to automatically garnish his paycheck until that $40,000 is paid back. And there's no difference in what they do while you're inside. Here in California, right. they just reduced it by 5%. But they were taking 55% of everything that I put on my husband or my son's books. And you guys have heard me say this before. In order for them to go to the store and spend $240, which is the max for one month, I have to put at least $580 on their books because they were taking 50% restitution and 5% administrative fees. So they call themselves doing us as families a favor. They they took away the 5% administration fees, but they're still hitting us for 50%. It's extortion at every level, from the initial incarceration all the way up to the stays or even death penalty. Somebody's making money. Corporate activity is occurring all around that in every area, and not just on the inmates, but on the families and community of the inmate as well, where they're even gotten so nasty with it that they're selling visiting. So if you want to visit your loved one again more than you already have, just pay us, and we sell you their image and their space. And if you got enough money, you can go to a really nice place to visit them rather than with all the other criminals. It's, it's horrible. Uh, privatized corporate greed exploiting every aspect of their lives to the point where we're paying for nearly $400,000 a year to incarcerate kids. Listen, well, here's what I want to do, though. We're running towards the last couple segments of our program, and I want to give all of our callers a chance to make any final comments. I want to thank you all for being here, Jamelia, Sam, Tony, uh, Sister Newbay, uh, for calling in. Uh, let's start with you, Jamelia, since uh, you were the first one in. What's, any final comments or things you want to mention? Yeah, I just, I just want to say uh, be safe. All our people throughout the country that are watching the horrors that continue to be executed against us every day, be safe. Be kinder to one another. Love one another. Let's get back to some of the old ways of how we engage each other in the black community because we can do better. Thank you, Jamelia. Uh Sister Lupe? Yeah, thank you uh, for that. Just a couple of things that I want to say. Um, we also, uh, just to remember that um, there are also many companies that we can be boycotting and not buy from who use prison labor. There's just an extensive list, and you can find that um, at the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper if you don't know where else to go to get that list. Um, and it came from um, someone on the inside also, one of our brothers that's still on the inside, um, uh, Joka Hashima Jinsai, uh, just finished or published the indictment of the state and its prison industrial slave complex. And one of the indictments, count six, is the conspiracy to extort, embezzle, misappropriate, and launder funds obtained via ongoing criminal enterprise. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, what we were just talking about, the extortion of um, our people who are, are, are captured. Um, and I, I, I just want to echo what uh, Jamelia just said about um, being safe, uh, love first. You know, uh, that's something that we, we know how to do. And in this pain, uh, yes, can we just be uh, loving towards one another? And, um, yeah, just don't lose your humanity. Please don't, because it's being lost everywhere. Mm-hmm. And thank you all so much for, again, thank you. for bringing this uh, you know, as 
every every week. Thank you so much. Really appreciate y'all. We uh, appreciate you too, of course. And we want to hear more from you on this program. So visit us periodically. All right, Brother Tony, uh, any final comments? Tony Frank? You still there, bro? You might be you may be muted. All right. Uh, is Sam still with us? Yes, I am. Oh, any hello. I'm sorry. I was, oh, okay. Hello? Yeah, we, hello? we hear you. We hear you. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, it was muted. Sorry about that. Right, um, any final comments uh, you want to make? Yes. Um, I was going to just reiterate what um, the lady said before me, um, of course, um, to insert love into this madness. Um, Yasin Bey has been saying that a lot, and uh, I, I have to reiterate that, as well as um, to agree with how we're being extorted by the prison industrial complex from um, ePay to everything. You know, like everything we do, they're just taking money. You know, you you spend money with them, and they'll they'll not they'll deny things like pictures and stuff, and won't refund you and things like that. Um, and also just to um, remember that we have to protect our children and what they hear. Uh, one last example is what's going on with Young Thug and Gunna and the YS YSL crew that Rico that RICO conspiracy case that they got, you know, like 28 charges or 37 or some odd charges. These, these kids are going to jail for life and they were, they had made it out of the gutter. You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. It's, and it's a self-perpetuating system. So, um, thank you. I'll try and call in more often in the please, future. Please, please do. Yes, please do. All right, Brother Sam, that leaves you, my man. Um, leave us with some words of wisdom. You started us out with some, so what do you oh, got? Man, it's always it's always nice to be with you, Max, and you, Brother Yusuf, man, and on Abolition Today. And to Thank hear you. – you're welcome. Thank you. And to hear the youth getting involved, you know, like, like you know, the brother that was just on the line just a moment ago speaking. Oh, then, he talks, then he talks about that he helps other youth. So that's really awesome. What I would say, because they, they covered the majority of everything I, I would have liked to say, and they said it probably more eloquently than I could have said it. What I would say, this is a call to arms, and not arms like go pick up some guns and shoot some folks. But earlier I said, you know, we don't want to get baited into a race war, and I can hear a million other people are saying we're already in a race war. <laughs> you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. ultimately, we don't want to get baited into just trying to pick up guns and go hold court in the streets because that's not the answer. The answer, what we have to do is get involved with our civic, you know, civic engagement. Because if you just sit by and not say or do anything, then you are part of the problem. We, it's independent interdependence. We are all connected, all of us. You know what I mean? We are all one body. And if you sit by and just watch as a travesty takes place, knowing in your heart that it's wrong, then you're just as guilty. Our, our people, when I say our people, I'm talking about black people, people of color, Hispanics, Asians, everybody and even concern people, uh, white people who know what's right, it's about electing officials that have our best interests at heart. I mean, when you look at the YSL and, and, and Young Thug and all of them in the RICO Act, these are laws. These laws were put into place by someone, most likely someone who had our best interests 
not at heart, didn't have our best interests at heart. It's up to us to make it a point to put the people we need in the district attorney's office who will prosecute police officers. It's up to us to put the, 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 the chief of police or, you know, vote for the chief of police when that time comes or the sheriff of your city or your town or whatnot. It's up to us to elect our elected officials who will go advance our agendas that are in our best interest and in the best interest of the future of our children. So what I would say, you know, what I have to say to anybody that's listening is get involved, man. Once again, change your thought process, change your paradigm, stop sitting idly by on the, on the side and just saying, well, that, it's not happening to me. It's not my folks. We're humans. We're all a part of humanity. We are your folks. Y'all are folks. You understand what I'm saying? So get involved and do your part. And thank you again, Abolition Today. Appreciate you and everybody that Indeed. called in today. For real. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Um, we're coming yes, up sir. on our closing segment, and uh, we got something special for you today. I think everything that we played so far and said is all fit neatly into this narrative that we're trying to explain. Brother just broke it down for you. We deal with real crimes against humanity happening in real time, and lives are on the line, and we can't wait a minute. We need you to act now. <clears throat> all right. Um, Brother Yusuf, you want to go ahead and give a thank you to our sponsors, and then we're going to get into our Bridging the Gap segment. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the program, and as I said, it's pretty powerful tonight. Yusuf? A- absolutely. Uh, uh, thank you to our sponsors and our partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, I Am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, SAMA Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, the Black Talk Radio Network, and the Abolished Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube page for all the news, information, and music you hear on this program. Abolition Today is available on all major podcast platforms. Remember to join the movement at AbolishSlavery.us to become part of the solution. Uh, We'll be back next Sunday, God willing, May 22nd, with another master class on slavery abolition. Uh, We want to thank all of our uh, guests this evening, and I'll pass it to you, Max, to uh, bring in the introduction to the Bridging the Gap. Did I lose him? You may be on mute, Max. It's, this week we have a speech by Frederick Douglass from 1865. It's his oh, first I, public speech in regards to I the it, okay. In regards to the uh, amendment, 13th Amendment being passed, he was focusing on the ultimate dissolution of the anti-slavery society and what that would mean for the future. That's going to be followed by A Bridge Over Troubled Water, which was performed live in Carnegie Hall by Simon and Garfunkel in New York City. On November 27th, my birthday, 1969, Eustace's year of birth. Uh, thank you for tuning in tonight. We'll see you next week. Until then, peace. Abolition. Abolition. Today, in Abolition. May 1865, William Lloyd Garrison moved at its convention for the disbanding of the American Anti-Slavery Society on the grounds that the passage of the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery by Congress in February of 1865 and its certain ratification by a sufficient number of states. The abolition of slavery was now in sight and the goal of the organization reached. Frederick Douglass prophetically, in a response speech the next day, said in effect, not so fast. 
Here is a portion of his speech, read by Max Farkas. I do not wish to appear here in any fault-finding spirit or as an impugner of the motives of those who believe that the time has come for this society to disband. I am conscious of no suspicion of purity and excellence of the motives that animate the president of this society, William Lloyd Garrison, and other gentlemen who are in favor of its disbanding. I take this ground. Whether this constitutional amendment, the 13th is law or not, whether it has been ratified by a sufficient number of states to make it law or not, I hold that the work of the abolitionists is not done. Even if every state in the Union had ratified that amendment, while the black man is confronted in legislation of the South by the word white, our work as abolitionists, as I conceive it, is not done. I took the ground last night that the South, by unfriendly legislation, could make our liberty under that provision a delusion, a mockery, and a snare, and I hold that ground now. What advantage is a provision like this amendment to the black man? If the legislation of any state can tomorrow declare that no black man's testimony shall be received in a court of law, where are we then? Any wretch can enter the house of a black man and commit any violence he pleases if he happens to do it only in the presence of black persons. He goes unwhipped of justice. And don't tell me that those people down there have become so just and honest all at once that they will not pass laws denying to black men the right to testify against white men in the courts of law. Why, our northern states have already done it. Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio have done it. Here in the midst of institutions that have gone forth from old Plymouth Rock, the black man has been excluded from testifying in the courts of law. And if the legislature of every southern state tomorrow pass a law declaring that no Negro shall testify in any courts of law, they will not violate the provisions of the Constitution. Such laws exist now in the South, and they might exist under this provision of the Constitution that there should be neither slavery nor involuntary servitude in any state of the Union except. Slavery is not abolished until the black man has the ballot. While the legislators of the South retain the right to pass laws making any discrimination between black and white, slavery still lives there. As Edmund Quincy once said, while the word white is on the statute book of Massachusetts, Massachusetts is a slave state. While the black man can be turned out of a car in Massachusetts, Massachusetts is a slave state. While a slave can be taken from old Massachusetts, Massachusetts is a slave state. That is what I heard Edmund Quincy say 23 or 24 years ago. I never forget such a thing. Now, while the black man can be denied a vote, while the legislators of the South can take from him the right to keep and bear arms, as they can, they would not have a Negro to walk with a cane where I came from. They would not allow five of them to assemble together. The work of the abolitionists is not finished, notwithstanding the provision in the Constitution of the United States that the right to keep and bear arms shall not be abridged. The black man has never had the right to keep either keep or bear arms and the legislators of the state will still have the power to forbid it under this amendment. They can carry on a system of unfriendly legislation, and will they not do it? Have they not got prejudice there to do it with? Think you that because they are for the moment in the talons and beak of our glorious eagle, instead of the slave being there as formerly, that they are converted? I hear of the loyalty at Wilmington, the loyalty at South Carolina, and what is it worth? not a straw. 
They are loyal while they see 200,000 sable soldiers with glistening bayonets walking in their midst, but let the civil power of the South be restored, and the old prejudices and hostility to the Negro will revive. A, the very fact that the Negro has been used to defeat this rebellion and strike down the standards of the Confederacy will be a stimulus to all their hatred, to all their malice, and lead them to legislate with greater stringency towards this class than ever before. The American people are bound by their sense of honor. I hope their sense of honor, at least by just sense of honor, to extend the franchise to the Negro. And I was going to say that the abolitionists of the American Anti-Slavery Society were bound to stand still and see the salvation of God. Until that work is done. Where shall the black man look for support, my friends, if the American Anti-Slavery Society fails? From whence shall we expect a certain sound from the trumpet of freedom when the old pioneer, when this society that has survived mobs and martyrdom and the combined efforts of priestcraft and statecraft to suppress it shall all at once subside on the mere intimation that the Constitution has been amended so that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall be allowed in this land. What did the slaveholders of the Richmond say to those who objected to arming the Negro on the ground that it might make him a freeman? Why, they said, the argument is absurd. Why make these Negroes fight for us? But while we retain the political power of the South, we can keep them in their subordinate positions. That was the argument, and they were right. They might have employed the Negro to fight for them, and while they retained in their hands power to exclude him from political rights, they could have reduced him to a condition that is similar to slavery. They would not call it slavery, but some other name. Slavery has been fruitful in giving itself names. It has been called the peculiar institution, the social system, and the impediment, as it was called by the General Conference of the Methodist Episcopal Church. It has been called by a great many names, and it will call itself by yet another name, and you and I and all of us had better wait and see what new form this old monster will assume, and what new skin this old snake will come forth. Speech by Frederick Douglass on the passing of the 13th Amendment and the disbandment of the Anti-Slavery Society, 1865, read by Max Parks. This is also another new song. i uh-huh. 